Well, listen, welcome this morning. Welcome to New Life Church. It's so good to see you guys here this morning and worship with you uh, here this morning. Everybody awake? All right. No, some are not. You're still getting there. All right. Well, listen, um, we're, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles. We're going to be in a couple places today. First off, in John chapter 14. And then in a, in a minute or two, we'll be over uh, in Mark chapter 4. We are continuing with a theme, a series that is uh, tied to our core values here at New Life Church. We have six main core values that we're working through. We've worked through um, three, I think, so far, three, and uh, they've been really, really good, and um, we just like to uh, bring these to our attention uh, annually as they speak to who we are as a church, they help guide us forward, keep us on track doctrinally. And today we're going to look at one of our core values that we value being Holy Spirit filled. And before I read that value description, I want to turn our attention to John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. Out of the New Living Translation, Jesus, these three chapters are actually four chapters all the way through 17 are full of red. If you have a Bible that shows letters in red, a lot of Jesus speaking and praying. And here's what he says in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because it isn't looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Father, speak to us today as we have already asked. Let your word come alive in our hearts. Let it jump off these pages and leap into our spirit And let it stick to us, O God, and work within us to make us who you created us to be and to be disciples and followers of Jesus in such a closer way. We love you and we thank you that you give us your word now. May our ears hear it and help me speak it in a way that glorifies you and blesses and helps your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone can say amen. So the description of what we have attached to our core value of being Holy Spirit-filled, it says this. It says, we value the filling of the Holy Spirit, not for doctrinal sake, but for destiny's sake. We write it that way because we don't, our approach to the Lord and His approach to us is not just doctrinal, it is theological And a healthy approach doctrinally and theologically can help lead us to a more healthier spiritual life. For that, it does matter. But we write destiny's sake because we can't go a day without the Holy Spirit. We can't live this life without the Holy Spirit. We cannot fathom the thought of trying to fulfill 
the destiny God has created us for without the Holy Spirit. And he goes on, we write this, We are open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit to fill us fresh daily. Every single day, our lives are called to be dependent upon the fullness and the filling of the Holy Spirit. goes on, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to empower us, to inspire us, and to produce in us God's holy character, His strength, and His love to be His witness on this earth. been a lot of arguments over the decades, over the centuries about the Holy Spirit. But one thing is for certain, the Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is real. Here in John 14, actually John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is talking to His disciples then and speaking to us today as His followers. He's saying, and He's preparing them for a transition. He knows the days of His earthly life and ministry are coming to an end, and He knows what lies before Him, what lies ahead of Him, but He knows what is coming after Him. And so He's preparing His disciples for this transition to where... It will no longer be him living and being here in the the flesh, but that God would come through the Holy Spirit and live in them. And so he's preparing them for this great transition. And in fact, after his death, burial, and his resurrection, there's about a 40-day period. At that time, they didn't have the knowledge, as we have now in the hindsight of knowing it was 40 days, They didn't know how long this time would last, that he spent 40 days visiting his disciples and reassuring them of the things to come and and just reminding them of some important matters and and helping to reassure their hearts that their faith would not give way. And he reminded them that the Holy Spirit would certainly come. And he told them to go and wait in Jerusalem and to just pray and to wait and God would come, the Holy Spirit would come and and, and, and so he reassured them of that. And then in Acts chapter 2, you see the fulfillment of God pouring His Spirit out. And, and when it said that in Acts 2, 4, the day of Pentecost, that was a, an annual festival that was celebrated by the people of Israel. And, and on that day, God poured out His Spirit. And it was, about, it was on day 50 after the resurrection. So he spent, Jesus spent 40 days in his resurrected body before his ascension with his disciples. Then after his ascension, they waited. They tarried, as it said. They waited for the Holy Spirit. They did what, he, what Jesus admonished them to do. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. And it said, all who were present were filled with the Holy Spirit. The word fill means to be influenced, to be supplied. And to be full. David said, you anoint my head and my cup runs over. That's a picture even that David had of how God by his spirit would pour out himself upon his people. That God doesn't want us half empty, half full, 
But God wants to fill our lives. God wants to consume our lives. God wants our lives to be influenced by Him. He wants us to have the supply of all that heaven can bring to us on this earth. And the Holy Spirit is that. And He said, all who were present were filled. So in Acts 2, you see the fulfillment of that. And then throughout the New Testament, you begin to see the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus here teaching his disciples in John 14, 15, and 16 said, The Father, it's good that I go, and when I go, the Father will send the advocate, the Holy Spirit. The word in the Greek there is paraclete, and it means comforter, encourager, helper, who supplies strength, fills you with encouragement and gives you the support you need to live your life on earth for Christ. That we don't do this earthly life out of our own strength. Come on, we could raise our hands and testify to the times in our life where we've tried to just tough it out on our own, right? Where we've tried to will it through our problems. Where we've tried to outsmart things out of our own wit and out of our own ambition. And a lot of us have a lot of drive. A lot of us were born with a tenacity and a, just a, a persevering heart and mind. We just, it was just kind of put inside of us. And some of us are not built that way. Some of us have to really muster up some courage to stand up and tough times. But listen, the Holy Spirit does all of that in us. The Holy Spirit does all of that work within us. He brings strength, brings encouragement, and brings support. And in John 15 and 16, Jesus takes it a little bit deeper, and he said the Holy Spirit is going to be, was going to come to you, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit will remind you of truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will confirm your steps moving forward. You ever been in a place of life where you wondered, am I going in the right direction? Is the decision I'm about to make, is it the right one, Lord? Or I've already made a decision and I'm wondering, did I make the right decision by going here, doing that, being here, or whatever it might be? The Holy Spirit has a way working in our everyday lives. And I think a fault of of us sometimes has been that the Holy Spirit is only for Sundays. Certainly, God is amongst us. In fact, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. There is that, and we have that happening here in our midst here today. The presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit present here. And we've been experiencing some overflow, if you will, over the last few weeks in our services. And you've been hearing reports about revival breaking out on college campuses across the United States. There is the sign of the movement of the greater measure of the Holy Spirit being poured out on, on our country right now and in our nation right now. We need to listen to that. We need to have hearts that want to receive that and not try to tie or put God in a box but to just let the freedom of God move and work in our lives. And even don't get caught up in thinking it's got to be this way because that's the way it was last time. I think that's a mistake we make as humans. We were praying earlier this week. I had the chance, Pastor Prentice and I and James had a chance to meet for a moment of prayer this week. And we were just praying and, and, and asking some questions about, man, what's it look like to be stewards of God's movement? 
and, the, and, the, and revival. And, you know, it's kind of hard to give answers, but here's the thing that we, we kind of narrowed it down to is, is when man tries to take over, that's when bad things go wrong. In our place, we just want God to be real in our everyday life. It's amazing that he'll move here because here is a springboard to the rest of our week. But we have the rest of our week to live. We got Walmart to go to, folks. We got workplaces to visit. We'll actually probably stay longer than visit and actually do our job. We've got school to attend to. We've got peers in our life. We've got family in our life, right? We've got problems in our life. And the Holy Spirit is there to work through us and in us to be able to overcome, to be able to have courage, and to be able to be a witness. We can't forget that. To be able to be a witness to other people around us. And you just see some distinctive measures throughout the New Testament of the Holy Spirit working coming in the form of power. In fact, that's one of the words Jesus uses in Acts 1-8, that you will wait, and when you wait, the Holy Spirit will come, and he will baptize you in power to be my witnesses on this earth. Power gives way to strength, gives us strength to stand strong, gives us strength to be a witness, gives us strength to overcome in our life, and to point the way that Jesus is more than a conqueror, and he calls us more than conquerors as well. You see the distinction of the Holy Spirit giving gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see the evidence of the gifts, and they're given to encourage the believer, to encourage one another, to build the faith of the believer, that God hears you, God sees you, and God wants to get your attention God wants to use your life to be of help to other people. And you see the distinction of God, of the Holy Spirit producing fruit in our life, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And of that, it said there is no law to these, meaning there's no limit to how big God can be in your life. Friends, when we try to limit God, God shows himself even bigger to us. I wish I, had a, I wish I had a moment to put someone on the spot, but they're not in here, so they probably would be okay with that. But there's, such a, there's a, such a good story I heard this week of someone in our church, and I'm not going to give it away. I'll let them have that moment to share that later. But just God, through the Holy Spirit, working in this person's life, giving them faith to believe for something. And guess what? It actually happened. It actually came to pass. Maybe we'll get that chance in the next couple of weeks to hear that testimony. But you see the distinction of how the Holy Spirit works and flow, wants to flow in our life to give us strength, to give us encouragement, and to give us the support we need to show us there's no limit to how big God can be in our life. Friends, when do you need strength? When you're weak. When do you need encouragement? When you lack courage. When do you need support or when you feel alone or afraid? And I'll tie it up into this statement. We need strength, encouragement, support from the Holy Spirit when storms come up, when the storms of life come up. And that's actually what I've titled my message today, and I'll spend these next three hours going over this sermon with you, okay? I'm kidding. 
What do we do when the storms of life come up? The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit wants to work in our life. The Holy Spirit wants to move in our life. We're going to look at the distinction because right in the middle of this whole, really more of a monologue that Jesus gives to his disciples about the preparation of the transition and the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says something. Look at this in verse 1 of chapter 16. Jesus said, I have told you these things. He's in all kind of contextually with the Holy Spirit. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. And I've noted a few things in in four different translations. They're not on the screen, but just listen to the way these versions translate that same statement. The NIV says, I've told you these things so you will not fall away. The New King James says, I've told you these things so you should not be made to stumble. The message translation says, I've told you these things to prepare you for rough times ahead. And the Passion Translation says, I have told you these things so you would not surrender to confusion and doubt. Jesus telling his disciples, look, I'm going, but the Holy Spirit's going to be given to you. The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out to you. It's going to be the advocate, the helper, the comforter who's going to strengthen you, encourage you, and support you. And you need the Holy Spirit. It's important that you have a life that's open to the Holy Spirit to be poured out into your life. And I'm telling you these things so you will not fall away. I'm telling you these things so you will not abandon your faith. I'm telling you these things to prepare you for rough times ahead. Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate the heads up. Why not tell me I need the Holy Spirit to have a good time? Right? Because we can have a good time without the Holy Spirit in our definition of good time, in our earthly definition, our human definition, our fleshly definition, but there's more to life because life is huge. I know the span of life can seem short. Days go by fast. But the Holy Spirit is given. And he's like, I'm telling you all this because I don't want you to run away. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to get so down and so discouraged and so disheartened through life that you quit, that you give up, that you throw in the towel and you forsake the destiny I created you for. I don't don't want you to get to that place where you're just so sick and tired that you lose sight of what I created you for. I I don't want you to get to that place to where you just abandon it all. No, because he wraps this chapter up in our, page, in our chapter break of verse 33. Look at it in 1633. It says, I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So he's like, listen, guys. 
You're going to face some trials. You're going to have trials. You're going to have sorrows. But I'm telling you all this so that through the trials and through the sorrows, you won't abandon your faith. You won't quit. You won't lose You won't be turned over and surrender to confusion and doubt. I'm preparing you ahead of time. The way through, the way over and around and all of that stuff is the Holy Spirit who will come. And in in Mark chapter 4, I've had this story on my mind. I had the privilege of preaching this text back in October at another church, but the Lord brought it back to my remembrance a few weeks ago, and it's, I almost preached it instead of a different message a couple of weeks ago, but the Lord just wouldn't let me do it. But he put, brought it back around to me this week. When storms come up. And let's look at this story. It's Mark chapter 4. I think it gives us a snapshot of the of future of how Holy Spirit in action can be in our life when we deal with and face storms. I know nobody in here deals with storms, so just, you know, go share this with somebody else, you know. Verse 35, it says, As as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. First things first, he says, Let us cross to the other side. Of the lake, reassurance. He's telling his disciples, speaking to us. There's reassurance that I'm going to be with you, all the way to the other side of this lake. He didn't send them across on their own. He said, "But let us." There's reassurance as you go through life, you travel forward in life. There's reassurance that he's with us. And he says, "To the other side," meaning, hey, there's a reason we're going to the other side. There is, there's purpose that awaits us on the other side of this lake. He didn't tell them what it was. He didn't say why they were going necessarily up front. He just gave them the assurance and the reassurance that he would be with them across to the other side of the lake. And they had no idea from one side to the next what would be in the middle. Just like our life. We don't always know from one place to the next what is in the middle of that journey. But right off the bat, the reassurance is, I'm with you. And the other side, there's something that awaits us on the other side. Purpose. Can you say purpose? So verse 36 says, they took Jesus in the boat. He's with them. They started out, left the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Verse 37 Soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. They had no idea. They did not know that the storm was brewing and coming. It just said, suddenly a fierce storm came up. Like many of us, we don't always see the storms coming, spiritual storms, life storms. We don't always see them coming. Boy, what a way to end the week on Friday. They weren't kidding about that high wind warning, were they? My goodness, it's crazy. I hear stories of 
building roofs off places in the road, lots of fences down, certainly power out. Pretty scary, a lot of trees blowing, lots, some trees down, depending on where in the region. But that storm, we had a warning. We had a warning that the high winds were on their way. And at first, if it didn't look like anything was going to happen. Just raining outside. Rain comes through. Then the wind follows. And then the sun comes out. But the wind got stronger, up to over 60 mile an hour gust in some places. You see it. You feel it. You experience it. If you were like me, I was praying against it. I was like, let this thing weaken right now. Let this thing break apart right now. Let no damage come to our church, our church families, our school families, our own families, people we know. People be safe, be all right. But we had a warning. They didn't get a warning. A fierce storm came up. You know, the enemy would like to use storms to destroy our life destroy our faith. The enemy likes to use storms to get us down and be discouraged. Because when you go through storms of life, they kind of make you feel that way sometimes. Makes kind of takes your sight off of what's important and what matters. They, the enemy will use storms to try to overwhelm us, to try to cause us to lose our faith and doubt God and Doubt God created us for a purpose and has a purpose for us. But God will use storms to strengthen us. He'll use storms to change us. He'll use storms to grow us. He'll use storms to open our eyes to Him and to keep our attention on Him. See, the enemy will use storms for one reason, to pull us away. God will use them to draw us near, and to empower us to keep moving forward. The enemy will use them to try to get us to draw backwards and retreat, but God will use them to help us actually advance and move forward. In Romans 8, 28, Paul writes, and God works everything out together for the good of those who love the Lord, those who are living called to his purpose. For those that live for Jesus and live for the purpose that he created you for, He has a way of always working things out. Always has a way of working things out. In Proverbs 19, it says that many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. It's his purpose that will always triumph anything else. And God had a purpose. The Lord here had a purpose. He knew how the enemy could work, but he knew how he could work in the midst of this storm. And look at it, it said in verse 38, it said, Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat, calm, chill. It said the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Here they were, they saw the storm. They felt the storm. They were afraid because of the storm. And they had immediately lost sight of what was ahead because of the storm. In that moment, that storm came up, and it freaked them out. It scared them. The winds were huge. 
blowing hard. When the waves were massive getting into the boat. Yeah, it's scary. Can't imagine that. And they were feeling the effects of it. They were seeing the seeing it, they were experiencing it, and they were afraid because of it, and they go and they wake up Jesus. Don't you care that we're about to drown? Are you aware of what's going on in my life right now? Do you see the tumultuous situation that I'm facing? Because I'm sure feeling it. I'm sure seeing it. It sure has an effect on me. It, it's making me second guess. Am I, am I, should I keep going? Should I keep doing this? Should I keep pressing in? Should I keep praising? Should I keep giving you my worship? Should I keep going to you, Lord? Should I keep depending on you, God? Because every time I do, it seems there is this, this force pushing against me and trying to scare me. Storms come up. What do we do? How do we make it? They saw this. They felt this. They lost sight of what was on the other side. What did Jesus do? Verse 39, he said, he woke up. said, he rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Let's look at that for a second. I think you can take some theological liberty here moving forward. He's present with them, but he knows eventually he's not going to be physically there. The Holy Spirit will be there. And you can see how the Holy Spirit would go to work would be in action through Christ here. He rebuked the wind. Power. His strength came to work. He spoke to the waves, be still. You could see down the road when Paul would write 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 and Tell the believers, desire earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. All these gifts are given to bring this amazing encouragement and source of faith to your life. To help build your faith and not be scared. Then he asks them the question, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith. It, did, it was not a rebuke. It didn't say, Mark didn't say the Lord rebuked them. Because that'd be easy for us to jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, they can't rebuke those guys. Don't you know the rest of the story? At the time, they're living this story, right? I kind of look at it in this way too. He asked a question. But I think it kind of comes also with a a little bit of a statement. You don't have to live afraid anymore. You can actually have faith. You don't have to live afraid when storms come up. You actually can live with faith. 
Because faith has the ability to see ahead. Faith has the ability to see what's on the other side. They were blinded by the storm. They were wrecked at the moment by the storm. They were completely afraid. They lost all sight. And he's like, you don't have to live afraid. You can live with faith. And you can see the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Peace. Love, joy, peace. Coming to work. Growing on the vine of Christ. Big enough, large enough for them to take hold of. Showing us, hey, there's no limit to how big God can be. That I, There's no reason I should have peace. There's no logical reason I should have peace right now in the midst of this storm. The peace of God supernaturally grows, sits in my my life, large enough for me to hold on to, showing me, man, there's no limit to how big God's peace can be. There's no limit to how big self-control can be. There's no limit to how big patience can be in our life. There's there's no limit to how big goodness can be. There's no limit to how big faithfulness can be. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep stepping. Keep growing. Keep inching your way along. Someone was asking me the other day how I'm doing. I said, I feel like I'm inching inching along. Ask me another day, and probably I feel like I'm taking giant steps. It kind of all depends on what we're dealing with at the moment, but as long as we've got some forward movement, and what does that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Many people have the wrong notion of the Holy Spirit. Some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's only going to give you what you need. He's going to supply to you and fill you and influence you for what you need in your life. And then what you need in your life, it's amazing how he'll take that fruit, that gift, and that strength. And he'll use you to be a a voice in someone else's life. Then you got to go on. 5 verse 1. They arrived at the other side of the lake. They were like, man, the winds and the waves obey him? What is going on here? And they arrived at the other side of the lake. And this story goes, it's another another day to preach this sermon, but they get over there. And there's this demon-possessed man who has many demons. He called them, they call are called legion, many inside of them. Jesus rebukes the demons, casts them out of the man, and they go into about 2,000 pigs. And those pigs are crazy at that moment. They don't know what hit them, and they go running and jump off the side of a cliff. That's a whole other story, a whole other message. 
but there was purpose waiting for them on the other side. Friends, the enemy doesn't want you to reach your, your shore of purpose. He wants to scare you, wants to destroy you. He wants to do anything he can to freak you out and think you, you can't do it. He wants to make you believe that God's not big enough, God's not good enough, and God's not great enough to make it happen. And it comes in the forms of many different looks and different voices. But the enemy doesn't want you to reach the other side. The enemy didn't want Jesus and his disciples to go to the other side and do what they did. But from the beginning, Jesus reassured them, I'm with you. He rebuked the, rebuked the wind, spoke to the waves to be still. Peace came. They made it to the other side. A work of, a picture, I think, of the Holy Spirit will help us move along, move forward in victory. And they were in this boat, Jesus in the boat. The boat was a carrier of Christ. Our lives, we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And as we carry the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit carries us and moves our life forward. When storms come up, what do we do? I think the answer is we must daily be filled because we just never know when a storm will come up. We must be daily filled with the Holy Spirit.